Praise God. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. This, um, this message I, I, I kind of wrestled with delivering it. Um, not that I question God, but, but I kind of wrestled with it because we have to always separate what God is telling us and what God is saying to us from what you feel as an individual, as a human being. But this was kind of a tough message for me to think about delivering and bringing forth because as Holy Spirit gave me this message, um, it's going to kind of force us to think about the people that we associate with, you know. And I always kind of feel uncomfortable in telling people who they should hang around and who they should not hang around with and everything like that. But God always has a reason for putting together a message. Um, I don't know if today's circumstances, uh, the events in Orlando, Florida, tie into this or not, but it certainly gives us some insights about who we're with and where we, where we are, okay, as his, as his children. Um, we, we have to be able to, I don't want to say judge people, but we have to be able to determine um, where people are at in their lives, people that we are associating with, because God has, has, has clear directions about how we as, as his children should be living our lives. Amen. So as always, let's go to the, to the word of God and kind of go to Matthew 7. And the question kind of is, is, is maybe, you know, how well do we know the people that we associate with? You know, how well do we know them? Um, we're with people constantly, some more than others, but people that are in our lives tend to influence us. People that are in our lives can wind up shaping decisions that we make. People in our lives can wind up influencing our behaviors. Okay, and so God was very, very specific about about us um, um, drawing some conclusions, if you will, about the people that we are with and that we're with and that we associate with. So Matthew chapter seven. Verse number 15, Matthew 7, verse number 15, okay, starts with, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Underline that, please. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs from, from thistles? In other words, grapes do not come from thorns or figs among thistles. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit. Every good tree brings forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down or cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Okay? Okay? So what this saying is that a bad tree cannot give off good fruit and so on and vice versa. So God is saying, but by their fruits you shall know them. So the people that we are around, the people that we associate ourselves with, by their fruits you shall know them also. In other words, how are they living their lives? What positive things are surrounding them, you know? How do they carry themselves? Are they constantly in a state of turmoil? Are they constantly, are they interested in doing things of evil? Are they interested in doing things that are corrupt? Are they interested more in doing things that are against the word of God? Okay? So the thing is, by their fruits you shall know them. Alright? You could have someone, I mean, standing up behind the pulpit that's preaching and prophesying and doing all sorts of other good things but how is that person living their life 
from behind the pulpit when they're out in everyday life. By their fruits you shall know them. You know, how are they when things are going rough, tough? When the going gets tough and whatnot, how are they in dealing with troubles? Do they run to the Lord? You know, when there's a troublesome thing going on in your life and they're supposed to be your friend, what kind of advice are they giving you? Are they telling you to solve your problem by behaving the way the world behaves? Or are they turning you and pointing you to Scripture? Are they not living a godly life? And I'm not saying that any of us are so pious that we can just say that, you know, we're the epitome of religiosity. Not that anyone wants to be quote unquote religious by man's standards. But we have to always look at how is that person living living their life you know are, are, are they relatively calm are they relatively serene when when um, um, trouble comes into their lives how do they deal with it okay all right by their fruits they shall know them you, you, you shall know them God goes on to talk about the Lord warns us about associating associating with those that are unsaved that is where we're going to get kind of dicey here but the Lord warns us about that let's go to Exodus okay going back to the beginning so to speak okay Exodus chapter 34 Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, verse number 10. 34, verse number 10. Okay? So many times, especially because of the fact that we live in, quote-unquote, a modern age, you know, and we don't see... Jebusites and Hittites all around us openly, you know, so sometimes we tend to forget what the word of God is telling us here, okay, as, as his children, as believers. Verse number 10, 34, verse number 10 of Exodus. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all, my, all thy people I will do marvels, such as, as have not been done in all the earth nor in any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, unless thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you go, Unless it be for a snare in the midst of thee. Okay? So he's saying that he's going to remove all those barbaric pagan people from before them. Okay? But beware that when you get there, that they do not do like the inhabitants of the land. Unless you wind up getting into difficulty. Unless there be a trap in the midst of thee. Verse 13. But you shall destroy their altars, break down their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a whoring after other gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one, uh, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. And thou take other daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods. Make thy sons go a whoring after their gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten gods. So what he's saying is that I'm going to send you into a land, I'm going to, you, I'm going to overcome these people. But when you go and you go into this land, and you're around these inhabitants, don't start doing as they do. Don't start doing as they do. As they go whoring after all of these things that are pagan and all these things that are evil, be very, very careful that you do not fall into that trap. You see? And we have to kind of think about that today because especially today with so much political correctness where many times there are many Christians that are almost ashamed to be publicly known as Christian. 
they are ashamed or very, very hesitant to speak about God. Okay? And sometimes in the interest of wanting to assimilate into the, into the, into the, the uh, governing or the dominant culture, so to speak, which let's face it, out there in the world, especially in the workplace and in the schools, the dominant culture certainly seems to be anyway non-Christian. All right? If there is a Christian element there, in many cases it's very, very subdued. Okay? It's almost like a, like a hidden culture because people are so afraid to stand up and say that I'm Christian. You see? But we, when we become children of God and we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have to be very, very careful that we do not assimilate into, into the, the, the majority culture, which today, anyway, seems to be anti-God. You see? You see? And God warns us about that. He says, don't go assimilate that. And, you know, because the thing about it is that, you know, uh, and you say, well, pastor, I would never go worship another God. All right. That doesn't that mean that you all of a sudden will go down and start bowing down to some pagan god. But if you start behaving as they do, doing the things that they do, going to the wild, lewd parties, and just and just, or even if you don't, if it's impossible for you to go that far. But the way you start telling little white lies, quote unquote, or the way you start cheating and 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 things on what you do, or or or, or your belief system, or being strong and firm in the Lord. You know how easy it is for us to kind of shift over and start start doing as the quote unquote as the inhabitants do. We have to watch ourselves that we don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going because it can become a snare to us right in our midst. You see? You know? You know? And what could some of those covenants be? Very easy for you to slip out of the mold of, of going to church regularly. You know, you know, at the mo- at the time when it's time for you to come to, come to church, all of a sudden someone calls and they need your dire help so they make it seem they need you to come over and do this and do this. Or they're planning on giving a function, a party, or some celebration on a Sunday during church time. You know? And they say, oh, it's okay. You can miss church. You can miss church. And then you start thinking, well, yeah, maybe I can miss. And all of a sudden, you're starting to drift over. You're starting to drift over. You're starting to do as the inhabitants do. You see? It can come on in such a subtle way. You know? So God is telling us way back in Exodus here, he's saying to his people to be careful. Because God did not set up this theocratic society to move Israel into where it was just totally governed by God and no, everyone around them was just shut down and blocked out no, God put them in the midst of these, of, these, of, of these pagan nations even though God overcame them but he gave them warnings we go to Leviticus we go to Leviticus chapter 20 Leviticus chapter 20 okay Prior to that, and I won't go through all of 20, but it, it tells you about all of the things that you shouldn't be doing, you know, including, you know, messing around with your brother's wife or your, your aunt and all of this other stuff that goes on. I mean, it's really, it really is it's pretty, pretty bold what it talks about you shouldn't be doing and everything. And then he says in verse 22, he says, um, you know, it, it's just amazing, just to pause for a minute, that God was so careful to, to itemize every single one of those things. And if you read some of those things, you would say, wow, who would think of doing that? You know, your sister, your, your aunt, your, your father's second wife, even though it's not your mother, about not going with him. or the, or the You think, why would anyone even think about going, going there, you see? But God knew the heart of man. 
And the heart of man without God's guidance is a horrible, it can be a dirty, filthy thing, you see. So God gave them very distinct, sometimes read, read the preceding verses of chapter 20, what he was giving them detailed descriptions about, about not doing. And then it says in verse number 22, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them, that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. And you shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I say unto you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that flows with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which has separated you from other people. Underline, I am the Lord your God, which has separated you from other people. All right? So God's saying that even though you're going to be, midst, be living in, on that land and in their midst, again, be very, very careful to not do those things. Because the things that he itemizes in verses 1 through 21, if you go back and read them, this was like not a big deal to them. This was like it was okay to do, you see. And we see that happening today. But you've heard me say a dozen times is that those things which are considered wrong in God's eyes are considered indeed right. And those things that are considered right in God's eyes today, they're, 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 in God's eyes today, it's the wrong thing to do and you don't want to, you know, focus on it. You see, you see. So if, if we're not careful, we so easily slip into what quote-unquote society says is okay and you start making excuses for doing the way the, the masses do. But we as children of God, we cannot go there. We cannot go there. You shall not follow the customs of the nation which I will drive out before you. For they did all these things, and therefore I have abhorred them. All right? You see, the laws that are being passed that are making more and more things legal. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to go here because it's the, it's, it's the Bible here. But certain things with, with, with bathrooms and things going on today. Now, I mean, that's, to me, that's totally craziness. And according to God's word, it's totally, I mean, it, it just blows me away to think that people would indeed say that that is okay. Which indeed opens the door for any sort of perverted man to walk into a lady's room where a woman is or a young child and do some of these things here that chapter 20 talks about doing. You see, you see, but this is becoming okay and there are people that are fighting to want it. So it just shows me that as these laws and statutes and as society just kind of goes off into the left direction, goes off into the direction of being more and more permissible, it's going right back to what, what the Bible, what God said to watch out for and that we should not become a part of. You see, you see, but then again, if you speak out and say that you do not wish to become a part of it, then how do the masses judge you? You see, and for fear of being judged, by the masses, many Christians wind up becoming Christian closet Christians. This is where I'm coming from today. Many become cl closet Christians, you see. And they feel very, very uncomfortable for saying that, no, I'm not going there. Okay? So, so um, and then in 2 Corinthians, go to 2 Corinthians. Coming to New Testament. 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened, you are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. No for recompense is uh, in the... 
in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Please underline that. Be ye not unequally yoked to non-believers, to unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness with unrighteousness have? In other words, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, the devil, or one of the demons here. Or what part hath he that believe with an infidel? An infidel again here is a sinner or an unbeliever. And what, uh, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Please in the line, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, underline please, wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, underline, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Alright? So we see a couple of things being there, said there, but there's a common theme. Verse number 14 says, be not un- unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, being unequally yoked with non-believers is being really committed to and tightly tied to someone that is an unbeliever. Alright? Okay, and it says unequal yoke. So, unequal, something that is not equal means that it's not the same. Okay, and how is it not the same? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Okay, you are light. So what fellowship do you have with darkness? The two are really like oil and water. You see? So God is warning us there, okay, about how we need to keep ourselves separate. Now, I know there's probably all sorts of questions going through your mind, your thoughts now. Well, gee whiz, God wants us to separate ourselves. God wants to separate ourselves. Yes, he does. Then while we are to shun those who do evil... But if we constantly shun them, then how is God's word going to get spread? You see, you ask yourself, well, God is telling me to be separate from them, but I thought God said to go out and spread the word and to be a good fellowship, a good friend to someone who is a sinner or to someone that does not yet know the Lord. All right? Okay? Well, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. All right? We in our state as children of God, if we are not really, 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 really strong, then we are very easily overcome and swayed by the unbeliever. We're very, very, very easily overcome by the, by the, 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 the practices of darkness, if you will. You see? Okay? And God knew that. God knew that. You see? So we move forward here and, and we look at Jesus Christ. All right? Because Jesus Christ is uh, obviously, he's our, our mentor, so to speak. And he's who we follow. Go to Mark. Book of Mark. Because God is not contradicting himself, not by a long shot. The book of Mark, chapter 2. Okay? Jesus, obviously, we know, hung around sinners. Jesus himself, Jesus himself did not separate light from darkness. Jesus was right. Okay? He certainly was around sinners. Alright? But the difference was, though, Jesus did not commit those sins. And Jesus had the strength and the fortitude to not let himself be tainted by the darkness. All right? See, and that's what we have to remember here. All right? So while God said to us to stay separated and be unequally yoked to a non-believer or an unbeliever, you, you know, we as Christians, we have to be very, 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 very careful. You know, I mean, you, you meet someone and that you're falling in love and whatnot and you're thinking about marriage and whatnot. You need to think about what that person's, where they are in terms of where, the, where God is in their hearts. 
You have to be very careful about it in terms of yoking yourself to the point where that, you know, that person that is the unbeliever or the non-believer, that's your bosom buddy friend, and when you're hanging around them and so forth like that, what's being said to make sure that their thoughts and their behaviors are not, not, are not um, melting off onto you instead of the other way around. All right? God may at a time wind up connecting you with someone as an unbeliever, but that does not mean that God is yoking you to that person. It may mean that God wants you to minister to that person. The critical thing that God kept talking about here to ancient Israel was that be careful that their ways don't spill over to you. He didn't say anything about the other way around. He's talking about their ways spilling off over to you. You see, because if you're not a strong Christian, if you're not someone who is constantly in prayer and reading the Bible and really, really has close contact with Holy Spirit, to know when that unbeliever is all of a sudden um, trespassing, if you will, into God's ground by getting you wanting you to do something, to go somewhere, or to start believing that, 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 that something that they're saying as an unbeliever is true, and thereby pulling you away from God, where you start believing and thinking like them, all right, you see, then you're running the risk there of, of falling away from God. See, this is what God knew. knew. All right, that's why he told us that. But now we see in Mark chapter 2, verse number 13, you see some interesting things. Um, and he went forth again, meaning Jesus, and he went forth again by the sea side, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. He had underlined, and they followed him. Underline also, many publicans and sinners sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many. But underline, and they followed him. Now, what happened here? Alphaeus up here, uh, 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 Levi, the son of Alphaeus, you know who that is? That's Matthew. Okay? That's the Apostle Matthew, all right, who before he came to Jesus was a tax collector. Now in this day, in this age, in this culture, the tax collectors were hated people. They were considered to be the epitome of sinners. All right, they were Republicans as they called them also. They were tax collectors and publicans. Jesus spoke to this sinner, spoke to this sinner and said, follow me. Jesus did not go and sit down next to Matthew or Levi and start saying, gee, what's your lifestyle like? Can I go hang out with you? Can I do what you do? Or did he listen to what Matthew believed in? He said, no, you follow me. And what did Matthew do? It says that he got up and he, and he followed him. And then he goes on to say, um, uh, uh, in verse number 16, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician. Underline this. They that are whole have no need of the physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast, and they came, they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but they, thy disciples fast not? 
And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. All right? But the main part, the main scriptures here is talking about here where Jesus ate with them because he says in verse 17, um, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay? The scribes and the Pharisees complained because Jesus' action in spending time with the sinners transcended his culture in actual, and actually should define Christian culture as we know it. You see, what he was basically saying was that God sent me here not because everyone was well or everyone was so righteous. God sent me here because the people are, quote-unquote, they're sick, they're sinners. You don't need a doctor if everyone is healthy, all right? So Jesus, by design, went to these sinners and went for those of darkness because he wanted them to follow him. See, unlike in Old Testament where God was saying to stay separate and whatnot because God knew that man could be very, very weak and follow after these other pagan cultures. Jesus, on the other hand, was strong enough. He knew no, no way was Jesus going to wind up being like them, okay? So Jesus turn things around, he says, I'm going to teach them to follow me. So in that relationship that you might have that is with someone that is unsaved, in that relationship that you might have that's someone that, that doesn't know God, the question that you should ask yourself privately is, are you following them or are they following you? Are you ministering to them or are they inadvertently ministering to you by telling you it's okay if you do this, it's okay if you don't do that, it's okay if you drop doing this for one Sunday, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Are you following them or are they following you? Okay? As I said, when I was first given this message to put, I was kind of uncomfortable about doing it because, like I said, I do not like telling people who they should associate with, but there must be a reason why God is wanting this thing put out in the open for us children to think about, and I believe it's because the times are coming where the devil is getting more and more bold. All right, and his influence, especially in high places, is becoming more and more prevalent, and it appears to be, and I say appears to be, underlined, quote, highlighted in red, it appears to be that those forces would almost be winning out because Christians are not, not bold and heavily supported in these current times. So we as individual Christians, we need to remember what the Word of God says and we need to be as, says, and what, we need to be as watchmen on the wall and watch out for those people that are around us. Amen? Because there are, it, is those, it is those people many times that are more closely closest to us that we know so well and that we take so for granted and that we've known them for many, many years. If you're not careful, they will suddenly, slowly, I won't say suddenly, they will slowly kind of get you off kill and get you to drift over into the wrong direction. Amen? So we need to be careful. But Jesus said here to follow me. Alright? And Jesus said that I didn't come here because everybody was well. I came here because there were indeed, there are indeed sinners. There are people that are, that are sick, so to speak. Jesus was strong enough not to be pulled over into their way of life. As Jesus' ministry grew, so did his popularity among the social outcasts of society. Now that, that Matthew was part of his inner circle, Jesus naturally had more contact with the pariahs or the the sick ones in Matthew's circle. Spending time with the publicans and sinners was part of Jesus' mission. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners, as we just read. If Jesus was to teach the lost, he must have some contact with them. He went 
to, uh, he went to where the need was because it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. Praise the Lord. The great physician makes house call. Jesus came to save the sinners. All right? So then what does that tell us again about those that we associate with? If we're supposed to be like Jesus. Amen? That means that every opportunity that we get, we should be ministering to them. Okay? And before you all of a sudden say, you know, because you have a penchant for wanting to go hang out at the bar, that you say, the Lord sent me there, <laughs> okay? The Lord told me to go down to that bar, or the Lord told me to go to that house of ill repute, to go there to save the souls, <laughs> all right? Okay, now that's a far cry. I mean, that's a pretty good stretch, all right? But I have known people, believe me, I have known people over many years in ministry that, not so much with the ill repute, but, but with other places that they've gone to, oh, I went there to save, to save the souls, and what, did God really, really tell you that, you know? As you're sitting up there downing your fifth whiskey, all right, okay, okay, Jesus went amongst them, but he did not do as they did, you see, so that's the key, that's the key, we have to remember here, God says that we are a separate people, we're not to be unequally yoked, but if Holy Spirit puts in your heart that there is someone that you want to, that you, uh, he wants you to minister to, or he wants you to go someplace where normally you would not go as a Christian, you need to make sure that that's God telling you to do that, and that mainly that you're strong enough to do as Jesus did, and not be swayed over to other ways, you see, because I tell you, there's some very, very gifted, unbelieving people out there in terms of their speech. If you listen to them long enough, they'll make you believe and you'll agree that the sky is green. Alright? If you listen to them long enough. Alright? Okay? So you need to be careful about these people that they don't start talking to you in a way that it pulls you off of your pulpit. That it pulls you off of what you know that the, that the Word of God is saying to you, which is so why it's so important for you to know the Word of God. All right? It's not enough for us just to come to church and read the Bible one Sunday for a couple of hours out of the week. You need to read it. You need to know what God's Word said. Amen? Amen? Because the darnest things will happen. You'll be in the workplace and something will, will, will go wrong. And it's on you to correct. you have a bevy of people around you, advising you of what you should do. Oh no, fire this off. Are you going to take that? Read that email again. Look what he said to you. Who's the boss? Who are you? What is this? What is this? Tell me what you should do. All right? What you need to do is not to do as the inhabitants of the land do. Okay? The world, for the most part, the world, for the most part, as biblically speaking, the world, okay, is, is governed. Is governed by, by, by things of darkness, by decisions that are made by people that are not necessarily Christian, you see. So you do not always just go following in with the advice that someone else is giving you. Especially if you know them. By their fruits you shall know them. All right? There are some people that I know that are the last folks in the world that I would take any advice from. Because I know their fruits. I see their fruits. I see how they behave when things go wrong. It's very easy for people to be all composed and very calm and, and very, very polished when everything is going right. All right. It's when the challenges of life pop into their lives, that's when you see the real them. That's where you see that they, whether they fall apart, whether they shake, whether they start crying and just going, go, going ballistic, whether they start spewing out cursing out of curse words out of their mouth, whether all of a sudden they turn red-faced with rage and anger. By their fruits you shall know them. Okay? It would be very uncharacteristic of me. Those of you that, that know me very well, that if all of a sudden there's something went wrong and all of a sudden I resorted to all sorts of cursing and where's my gun and where's my knife? I'm going looking for that person and everything. You say, what? What happened to him? What happened to him? All right? By their fruits you shall know them. 
There was a time where a letter to someone had to be written. And the powers that be always composed those letters. And then you as the manager are supposed to sign off on the letter. The letter that was composed was not me at all because it was filled with curse words. And when I said back, around, well, they said, well, well, that's what the employee actually said. I said, well, you can use those dot, 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 asterisks and all them funny things that you see in the comic strips to indicate that the person cursed. Okay? And they said, well, no, but we have to be verbatim. And I said, well, if that's what we have to be, then you sign it because I'm not. Because it's not the way I speak. And the people up here, literally up there, said, well, that is true. We know that is very uncharacteristic. So I've known you for X number of years, and I've never heard you utter a curse word. By their fruits you shall know them. Okay? Alrighty? Okay? So if people like that are trying to give you advice and trying to tell you where to go or what to do, that's the last folks you want to go taking advice from. Amen? Separate yourself. Separate yourself. Now, separate yourself again, bearing in mind what Jesus did. Alright? Separating yourself so that you're not following them and you're bold enough and you're strong enough to lead them so that they're following you. Because that's the risk that you run. Okay? And it's hard to say because many of us have associates and there are people that I know that I care, that I care quite a lot about. But no way would I hang out with them. Or if I did, every single chance that I got, every single time the Holy Spirit gave me an opportunity, I'd be ministering to them about God. Because God doesn't want that person to perish. Okay? God does not want it to perish. Alright? And if that person means anything to me, if it's a family member and if it's a friend, then what I would love to be thinking of is spending eternity with that friend or with that, that family member. So I want to share with them what I know. Because for me to sit back and watch them quietly going down the tubes, just going further and further away, to me would pain me. And I would want them to know what I know. You know, because people like that do notice that when, when things go wrong in your life, they try to figure out why is it that you're so calm. Why is it that you're not all upset about that, you know, that situation? And what you, why you're not upset is because you know God. You know that this situation, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. You know that God will indeed work things out so you don't get so bent out of shape. Those people that are unbelievers, they see that in you. And many, many times they want to know why. All right? But for whatever reason, either they're afraid to ask, ask or something deep in their gut is preventing them from wanting to know. You see? So while we are to be separate, we also have to remember Jesus. Go to um, Mark 1. Mark 1 and, let's see, we want to do 21. Uh, let me see, do I want to go there? We did 16 through 20. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, all right we, we did that, we did that. Okay, we're going to end up in Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 10. Verse number 
After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that you would send forth laborers into, into his harvest. Into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Please underline verse number three. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Wolves carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. So that means don't worry about money or what you're going to be carrying. Just, just go. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city you enter, if they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. Please in the line. Heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Please in the line that too. The kingdom of God is nigh unto you. Do you know how many times, because of the fact that you have spoken to someone about the Lord, or because someone was exposed to you and see your lifestyle, and see that you're a believer and that you go to church, that you know the Bible, that you can quote scripture and so on. Do you know that I really, really believe that if that unbeliever continues on in life and then they pass on, and at that day, judgment time, when the Lord is talking to them and when they say, well, I didn't know, Lord. I didn't know about Jesus. Oh, I didn't know about the Bible. I really believe deep in my spirit that the Lord will say, Do you remember that time that you met this girl named Brittany Cobb? Sorry, Brittany. That you met this girl named Brittany? And that she told you so-and-so and told you so-and-so? And did you see the way she behaved when such and such a thing happened? Did you see the way he, she mentioned my name? Well, guess what? News of my kingdom was right before you. And you turned away. You never know when God is sending you across someone's path or someone is being sent across your path for you to minister to. And minister doesn't always mean for you all of a sudden start singing the hallelujah chorus <laughs> and waving your Bible in the air and so forth, okay? Ministering to them simply could be, well, you've got that need in your life. Did you try praying? You know? Did you talk to God about it? Well, no, I didn't, I didn't, well, would you like me to pray with you? You know, you know, and many times just us getting past that, or getting to that question, do you mind if I pray with you or would you like to pray? So many times we as Christians shy away from that, you know, it's almost like we don't want that unbeliever to know that I'm a strong Christian, that I believe in prayer, you know. You know, and you never know that God may be wanting to use you to bring a little taste of the kingdom right there before them so they can be saved. God does not want that person to perish without knowing him. The word says that. It's not his will that any should perish. You know, God wanted, would have loved for, I'm sure, Osama bin Laden, Adolf Hitler, to repent and to come to know him. Amen. 
For that person that God sends your way, just stop and think about it. You know, pray about it. Should I be bold enough to speak about what I really, really know? Okay? Because don't forget, it works both ways. By their fruits, you shall know them. You see? So it's about your fruits also. It's about your fruits too. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Okay? Alrighty? Alright? You know, you know the, the, the words that you've heard over all of these years that you've been in church and that you've been reading the Bible and knowing God, God didn't give those things to you for no reason. God gave them to you all, gave to you freely, so that you may give freely. Right? Right? What, what, what did Peter say to the beggar at the gate who was asking for alms? To silver and gold, I have none, but that which I have, I give to you freely. Okay, and you reach forth and heal them. Okay. How many of us are, are, as Christians, when you have someone that you know that's a non-believer and is feeling ill, is willing to say, let me pray for you. We bind up that spirit of infirmity, even though they may look at you like you're crazy. But how many of you are willing to say, let me pray for you? Amen. Jesus came. For those that are sick. Not because the world was in such a good state. Such a good state. Amen? 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 So, so it says that, 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 that uh, um, into whatever city you enter, they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Verse number 9. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into wh- whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not. Go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaves on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be you sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that city, uh, in that day, for Sodom than for that city. Okay? So while you may go before someone, or some group, or some person, and you're trying to talk about the things of God. You're trying to, to, to bring the kingdom of God, quote-unquote, so to speak, before them. If in, if in the final analysis they refuse to hear it, then the other, the other, one of the other gospels said to shake the dust off your sandals and move on. Okay? So in other words, you tried. You tried. Right? While, it is our, while it is our role to try and minister to others, it is not our job to all of a sudden set ourselves up to be their savior, because we certainly can't be, or to make ourselves responsible for whether or not that person winds up getting saved. You see? Because you can't do that. Because then what happens is that the devil winds up putting you into a guilt trip, and then the devil winds up killing off two people with one stone. He kills off the person, quote-unquote, kills off the person that uh, um, um, is, is the non-believer, but then he winds up killing you off because all of a sudden you go in this downward spiral of guilt because that person wasn't saved. The only one that can save is Jesus Christ through the wooing of the Holy Spirit, you see? So all you can do is that someone that you're trying to help, if they're just not receiving you, then you have to just pack up and kind of move on and just pray for them. Just pray for them. That does not mean that you should stay outside their house in the bushes at night following them down to the neighborhood bar because you want to go with them to save them. You know, it's not your job to be their 24-7 babysitter. Amen. You pray for them from the safety of your house. Amen. For the safety of your house under the covering of Holy Spirit. You know? And God will tell you who to pray for and who needs your help and how far you should go with it. You see? But the main thing is in this day and age with what is going on, Jesus clearly showed, showed us that we shouldn't let cultural norms dictate whom we evangelize or who we talk to or who we try to preach to. The sick need a physician. Lost sheep need a shepherd. 
Are we praying the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field? Are we willing ourselves to go, so to speak, into the field? Amen? Amen? So in this time where there are so many uncertainties, the only thing that is certain to us is what the Word of God says. What Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is indeed our Lord and Savior. In this day and age, we need to stop and think about who is it that we are associating with. Who are those people that we are holding close to us? And are, 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 are we winding up slowly, 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 slowly drifting over into their belief system? Are we all of a sudden doing and thinking like them? And thinking that some certain things are, are harmless? You know? You know? As the guy who's trying to lose some weight keeps telling people to stop at Safeway and buy donuts. As the guy who's, who's doing that, right? Just says, one more won't hurt. Okay? Do you wind up drifting down that path? You see? See, the Lord's word is true and quick because while I'm preaching to you, the Lord's preaching to me. It made me think that I should stay off those donuts because one more indeed can indeed hurt, you see. But we wind up doing that in so many areas of our lives, especially when someone is trying to tempt us and draw us away. One more won't hurt you. One more won't hurt you, you know. You heard me talk about the frog, you know, you want to cook him and you, you put a frog in hot water, he's going to try like crazy to jump out of it. But if you put him in a cold pot of water and turn the flame up, he'll just stay there paddling away and doing his thing, blowing bubbles, and you turn up a little more, a little more gradually, 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 the animal doesn't even though he's being cooked. You see? You see? And so it is with us. We can get pulled away so gradually, so gradually that we don't even know that we're being cooked. Amen? Amen? So praise God, as we go into the balance of the week and you think on these things, look around you at those with whom you associate and, 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 and look at, you know, which way is this relationship going? Am I, am I just kind of undoing things gradually and saying, this is okay, this is okay? Or am I ministering and saying, follow me, follow me? There's the scriptures also that talks about there where, where uh, um, Jesus, after Matthew, went around and he saw uh, 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 Peter and they were out there fishing and so forth. And, and they had cast, they were out all night fishing and so forth and didn't have any fish. And Jesus said, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And they were like, oh, but sir, I mean, come on, we're out there all night. They throw it on the other side. Threw the net on the other side and it says that they caught so much fish that the nets broke. All right. Then after that, Jesus said, follow me. Because I will make you fishers of men. Because I will make you fishers of men. You know? So are we fishers of men? Okay? Or are we being caught by other people? Amen? So pray about it. Think about it. And I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.